If you're enjoying Send Me to Sleep, make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. Also, if you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All of this really helps the show reach new listeners. And you never know, your review may convince someone to listen and lead them to a good night's rest, which I hope you all agree is worth sharing. Thanks so much for your listenership and support. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 13 and 14 of Heidi by Joanna Speary. Don't forget, you can listen to hundreds of other unreleased sleep stories on Send Me to Sleep Premium. Fall asleep to stories such as Around the World in 80 Days, The Scarlet Pimpernel, The Wizard of Oz, and all the remaining episodes of The Secret Garden. Just go to sendmetosleep.com slash premium and sign up today. Cancel any time. So, without further ado, let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 13 Up the Alp on a Summer Evening Mr. Seasman, going upstairs in great agitation, knocked at the housekeeper's door. He asked her to hurry, for preparations for a journey had to be made. Miss Rottenmere obeyed the summons with the greatest indignation, for it was only half past four in the morning. She dressed in haste, though with great difficulty, being nervous and excited. All the other servants were summoned likewise, and one and all thought that the master of the house had been seized by the ghost and that he was ringing for help. When they had all come down with terrified looks, they were most surprised to see Mr. Seasman, fresh and cheerful, giving orders. John was sent to get the horses ready, and Tinette was told to prepare Heidi for her departure, while Sebastian was commissioned to fetch Heidi's aunt. Mr. Seasman instructed the housekeeper to pack a trunk in all haste for Heidi. Miss Rottenmere experienced an extreme disappointment, for she had hoped for an explanation of the great mystery. But Mr. Seasman, evidently not in the mood to converse further, went to his daughter's room. Clara had been wakened by the unusual noises and was listening eagerly. Her father had told her of what had happened and how the doctor had ordered Heidi back to her home because her condition was serious and might get worse. She might even climb the roof or be exposed to similar dangers if she was not cured at once. Clara was painfully surprised and tried to prevent her father from carrying out this plan. He remained firm, however, 
promising to take her to Switzerland himself the following summer, if she was good and sensible now. So the child, resigning herself, begged to have Heidi's trunk packed in her room. Mr. Seisman encouraged her to put together a good outfit for her little friend. Heidi's aunt had arrived in the meantime, being told to take her niece home with her. She found no end of excuses, which plainly showed that she did not want to do it, for Detta well remembered the uncle's parting words. Mr. Seisman dismissed her and summoned Sebastian. The butler was told to get ready for travelling with the child. He was to go to Basel that day and spend the night at a good hotel which his master named. The next day the child was to be brought to her home. Listen, Sebastian, Mr. Seisman said and do exactly as I tell you. I know the hotel in Basel, and if you show my card, they will give you good accommodations. Go to the child's room, and barricade the windows, so that they can only be opened with the greatest of force. When Heidi has gone to bed, Lock the door from outside, for the child walks in her sleep and might come to harm in the strange hotel. She might get up and open the door. Do you understand? Oh, oh, so it was she, exclaimed the butler. Yes, it was. You are a coward, and you can tell John he is the same. Such foolish men to be afraid. With that, Mr. Seisman went to his room to write a letter to Heidi's grandfather. Sebastian, feeling ashamed, said to himself that he ought to have resisted John and found out alone. Heidi was dressed in her Sunday frock and stood waiting for further commands. Mr. Seisman called her now. Good morning, Mr. Seisman, Heidi said when she entered. What do you think about it, little one? he asked her. Heidi looked to him in amazement. You don't seem to know anything about it, laughed Mr. Seisman. Tanette had not even told the child, for she thought it beneath her dignity to speak to the vulgar Heidi. You are going home today. Home, Heidi repeated in a low voice. She had to gasp, so great was her surprise. Wouldn't you like to hear something about it? asked Mr. Seisman, smiling. Oh yes, I should like to, said the blushing child. Good, good, said the kind gentleman. Sit down and eat a big breakfast. Now, for you are going away right afterwards. The child could not even swallow a morsel, though she tried to eat out of obedience. It seemed to her as if it was only a dream. Go to Clara, Heidi, till the carriage comes, Mr. Seisman said kindly. Heidi had been wishing to go, 
and now she ran to Clara's room, where a huge trunk was standing. Heidi, look at the things I had packed for you. Do you like them? Clara asked. There were a great many lovely things in it, but Heidi jumped for joy when she discovered the little basket with twelve round white rolls for the grandmother. The children had forgotten that the moment for parting had come when the carriage was announced. Heidi had to get all her treasures from her room yet. The grandmama's book was carefully packed, and the red shawl that Miss Rottenmere had purposefully left behind. Then, putting on her pretty hat, she left her room to say goodbye to Clara. There was not much time left to do so, for Mr. Seasman was waiting to put Heidi in the carriage. When Miss Rottenmere, who was standing on the stairs to bid farewell to her pupil, saw the red bundle in Heidi's hand, she seized it and threw it on the ground. Heidi looked imploringly at her kind protector, and Mr. Seasman, seeing how much she treasured it, gave it back to her. The happy child at parting thanked him for all his goodness. She also sent a message of thanks to the good old doctor, who she suspected to be the real cause of her going. While Heidi was being lifted into the carriage, Mr. Seasman assured her that Clara and he would never forget her. Sebastian followed with Heidi's basket and a large bag with provisions. Mr. Seasman called out, Happy journey, and the carriage rolled away. Only when Heidi was sitting in the train did she become conscious of where she was going. She knew now that she would really see her grandfather and the grandmother again, also Peter and the goats. Her only fear was that the poor blind grandmother might have died while she was away. The thing she looked forward to most was giving the soft white rolls to the grandmother. While she was musing over all these things, she fell asleep. In Basel, she was roused by Sebastian, for there they were to spend the night. The next morning, they started off again and it took them many hours before they reached Mayenfeld. When Sebastian stood on the platform of the station, he wished he could have travelled further in the train, rather than have to climb a mountain. The last part of the trip might be dangerous, for everything seemed half-wild in this country. Looking round, he discovered a small wagon with a lean horse. A broad-shouldered man was just loading up large bags, which had come by the train. Sebastian, approaching the man, asked some information concerning the least dangerous ascent to the Alp. After a while, it was settled that the man should take Heidi and her trunk to the village and see to it that somebody would go up with her from there. Not a word had escaped Heidi until she now said, 
I can go up alone from the village. I know the road. Sebastian felt relieved, and calling Heidi to him, presented her with a heavy roll of bills and a letter for the grandfather. These precious things were put at the bottom of the basket, under the rolls, so that they could not possibly get lost. Heidi promised to be careful of them, and was lifted up to the cart. The two old friends shook hands and parted, and Sebastian, with a slightly bad conscience for having deserted the child so soon, sat down on the station to wait for a returning train. The driver was no other than the village baker, who had never seen Heidi, but had heard a great deal about her. He had known her parents, and immediately guessed she was the child who lived with the arm uncle. Curious to know why she came home again, he began a conversation. Are you Heidi, the child who lived with the arm uncle? Yes. Why are you coming home again? Did you get on badly? Oh no, nobody could have got on better than I did in Frankfurt. Then why are you coming back? Because Mr. Seisman let me come back. Pooh, why didn't you stay? Because I would rather be with my grandfather on the Alp than anywhere else on earth. You may think differently when you get there, muttered the baker. It is strange, though, for she must know, he said to himself. They conversed no more, and Heidi began to tremble with excitement when she recognized all the trees on the road and the lofty peaks of the mountains. Sometimes she felt as if she could not sit still any longer, but had to jump down and run with all her might. They arrived at the village at the stroke of five. Immediately, a large group of women and children surrounded the cart, for the trunk and the little passenger had attracted everybody's notice. When Heidi had been lifted down, she found herself held and questioned on all sides. But when they saw how frightened she was, they let her go at last. The baker had to tell of Heidi's arrival with the strange gentleman and assured all the people that Heidi loved her grandfather with all her heart. Let the people say what they would about him. Heidi, in the meantime, was running up the path. From time to time she was obliged to stop, for her basket was heavy and she lost her breath. Her one idea was, if only grandmother still sits in her corner by her spinning wheel. Oh, if she should have died. When the child caught sight of the hut at last, her heart began to beat. The quicker she ran, the more it beat. But at last... She tremblingly opened the door. She ran into the middle of the room, unable to utter one tone. She was so out of breath. Oh, God, 
it sounded from one corner. Our Heidi used to come in like that. Oh, if I just could have her again with me before I die. Who has come? Here I am, Grandmother. Here I am, shouted the child, throwing herself on her knees before the old woman. She seized her hands and arms, and snuggling up to her, did not for joy utter one more word. The grandmother had been so surprised that she could only silently caress the child's curly hair over and over again. Yes, yes, she said at last. This is Heidi's hair and her beloved voice. Oh my God, I thank thee for this happiness. Out of her blind eyes, big tears of joy fell down on Heidi's hand. Is it really you, Heidi? Have you really come again? Yes. Yes, Grandmother, the child replied. You must not cry, for I have come and will never leave you any more. Now you won't have to eat hard black bread any more for a little while. Look what I have brought you. Heidi put one roll after another into the Grandmother's lap. Ah, child, what a blessing you bring me, the old woman cried. But you are my greatest blessing yourself, Heidi. Then, caressing the child's hair and flushed cheeks, she entreated. Just say one more word, that I might hear your voice. While Heidi was talking, Peter's mother arrived and exclaimed in her amazement, Surely this is Heidi, but how can that be? The child rose to shake hands with Brigitte, who could not get over Heidi's splendid frock and hat. You can have my hat. I don't want it any more. I have my old one still, Heidi said, pulling out her old crushed straw hat. Heidi had remembered her grandfather's words to Detta about her feather hat. That was why she had kept her old hat so carefully. Brigitte at last accepted the gift after a great many remonstrances. Suddenly, Heidi took off her pretty dress and tied her old shawl about her. Taking the grandmother's hand, she said, Goodbye, I must go home to grandfather now, but I shall come again tomorrow. Good night, Grandmother. Oh, please come again tomorrow, Heidi, implored the old woman, while she still held her fast. Why did you take off your pretty dress? asked Brigida. I'd rather go to Grandfather that way, or else he might not know me any more the way you did. Brigida accompanied the child outside and said mysteriously, He would have known you in your frock. You ought to have kept it on. Please be careful, child, for Peter tells us that the uncle never says a word to anyone and always seems so angry. 
but Heidi was unconcerned, and saying good night, climbed up the path with the basket on her arm. The evening sun was shining down on the grass before her. Every few minutes, Heidi stood still to look at the mountains behind her. Suddenly, she looked back and beheld such glory as she had not even seen in her most vivid dreams. The rocky peaks were flaming in the brilliant light. The snow fields glowed and rosy clouds were floating overhead. The grass was like an expanse of gold, and below her the valley swam in golden mist. The child stood still, and in her joy and transport, tears ran down her cheeks. She folded her hands and looked up to heaven, thanked the Lord that he had brought her home again. She thanked him for restoring her to her beloved mountains. In her happiness, she could hardly find words to pray. Only when the glow had subsided was Heidi able to follow the path again. She climbed so fast that she could soon discover first the treetops, then the roof, finally the hut. Now she could see her grandfather sitting on his bench, smoking a pipe. Above the cottage, the fir trees gently swayed and rustled in the evening breeze. At last she had reached the hut, and throwing herself in her grandfather's arms, she hugged him and held him tight. She could say nothing but, Grandfather, 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 in her agitation. The old man said nothing either, but his eyes were moist, and loosening Heidi's arms at last, he sat her on his knee. When he had looked at her a while, he said, So you have come home again, Heidi. Why, you certainly do not look very citified. Did they send you away? Oh no, you must not think that, Grandfather. They all were so good to me, Clara, Mr. Seisman, and Grandmama. But Grandfather, Sometimes I felt as if I could not bear it any longer to be away from you. I thought I should choke. I could not tell anyone, for that would have been ungrateful. Suddenly, one morning, Mr. Seisman called me very early. I think it was the doctor's fault, and but I think it is probably written in this letter. With that, Heidi brought the letter and the bankroll from her basket, putting them on her grandfather's lap. This belongs to you, he said, laying the roll beside him. Having read the letter, he put it in his pocket. Do you think you can still drink milk with me, Heidi? He asked while he stepped into the cottage. Take your money with you. You can buy a bed for it and clothes for many years. I don't need it at all, Grandfather, Heidi assured him. I have a bed and Clara has given me so many dresses that I shan't need any more in all my life. 
take it and put it in the cupboard, for you will need it some day. Heidi obeyed and danced around the hut in her delight to see all the beloved things again. Running up to the loft, she exclaimed in great disappointment, Oh, Grandfather, my bed is gone. It will come again, the Grandfather called up from below. How could I know that you were coming back? Get your milk now. Heidi, coming down, took her old seat. She seized her bowl and emptied it eagerly, as if it was the most wonderful thing she had ever tasted. Grandfather, our milk is the best in all the world. Suddenly, Heidi, hearing a shrill whistle, rushed outside as Peter and all his goats came racing down. Heidi greeted the boy, who stopped, rooted to the spot, staring at her. Then she ran into the midst of her beloved friend, who had not forgotten her either. Swalani and Bali bleated for joy, and all her other favourites pressed near to her. Heidi was beside herself with joy, and caressed Little Snowhopper and patted Thistlefinch, till she felt herself pushed to and fro among them. Peter, why don't you come down and say goodnight to me? Heidi called to the boy. Have you come again? he exclaimed at last. Then he took Heidi's proffered hand and asked her, as if she had been always there, Are you coming up with me tomorrow? No, tomorrow I must go to see Grandmother, but perhaps the day after. Peter had a hard time with his goats that day, for they would not follow him. Over and over again they came back to Heidi, till she entered the shed with Bali and Shwalani and shut the door. When Heidi went up to her loft to sleep, she found a fresh, fragrant bed waiting for her, and she slept better that night than she had for many, many months, for her great and burning longing had been satisfied. About ten times that night the grandfather rose from his couch to listen to Heidi's quiet breathing. The window was filled up with hay, for from now on the moon was not allowed to shine on Heidi any more. But Heidi slept quietly, for she had seen the flaming mountains and had heard the fir trees roar. Chapter 14 On Sunday when the church bells ring. Heidi was standing under the swaying fir trees, waiting for her grandfather to join her. He had promised to bring up her trunk from the village while she went to visit the grandmother. The child was longing to see the blind woman again, and to hear how she had liked the rolls. It was Saturday, and the grandfather had been cleaning the cottage. Soon he was ready to start. When they had descended 
and Heidi entered Peter's hut. The grandmother called lovingly to her. Have you come again, child? She took hold of Heidi's hand and held it tight. Grandmother then told the little visitor how good the rolls had tasted and how much stronger she felt already. Brigida related further that the grandmother had only eaten a single roll, being so afraid to finish them too soon. Heidi had listened attentively and said now, Grandmother, I know what I shall do. I am going to write to Clara, and she'll surely send me a whole lot more. Brigida remarked, That is meant well, but they get hard so soon. If I only had a few extra pennies, I could buy some from our baker. He makes them too, but I am hardly able to pay for the black bread. Heidi's face shone brightly. Oh, grandmother, I have an awful lot of money, she cried. Now I know what I'll do with it. Every day you must have a fresh roll, and two on Sundays. Peter can bring them up from the village. No, no, child, the grandmother implored. That must not be. You must give it to your grandfather, and he'll tell you what to do with it. But Heidi did not listen, but jumped gaily about the little room, calling over and over again. Now Grandmother can have a roll every day. She'll get well and strong, and, she called with fresh delight, maybe your eyes will see again too, when you are strong and well. The grandmother remained silent, not to mar the happiness of the child. Seeing the old hymn book on the shelf, Heidi said, Grandmother, shall I read you a song from your book now? I can read quite nicely, she added after a pause. Oh yes. I wish you would, child. Can you really read? Heidi, climbing on a chair, took down the dusty book from a shelf. After she had carefully wiped it off, she sat down on a stool. What shall I read, Grandmother? Whatever you want to, was the reply. Turning the pages, Heidi found a song about the sun and decided to read that aloud. More and more eagerly she read, while the grandmother, with folded arms, sat in her chair. An expression of indescribable happiness shone in her countenance though tears were rolling down her cheeks. When Heidi had repeated the end of the song a number of times, the old woman exclaimed, Oh, Heidi, everything seems bright to me again, and my heart is light. Thank you, child, you have done me so much good. Heidi looked enraptured at the grandmother's face, which had changed from an old, sorrowful expression to a joyous one. She seemed to look up gratefully, as if she could already behold the lovely, 
celestial gardens told of in the hymn. Soon the grandfather knocked on the window, for it was time to go. Heidi followed quickly, assuring the grandmother that she would visit her every day now. On the days she went up to the pasture with Peter, she would return in the early afternoon, for she did not want to miss the chance to make the grandmother's heart joyful and light. Brigitta urged Heidi to take her dress along, and with it on her arm, the child joined the old man and immediately told him what had happened. On hearing of her plan to purchase rolls for grandmother every day, the grandfather reluctantly consented. At this, the child gave a bound, shouting, Oh, grandfather, now grandmother won't ever have to eat hard, black bread anymore. Oh, everything is so wonderful now. If God our Father had done immediately what I prayed for, I should have come home at once and could not have brought half as much rolls to Grandmother. I should not have been able to read either. Grandmama told me that God would make everything much better than I could ever dream. I shall always pray from now on, the way Grandmama taught me. When God does not give me something I pray for, I shall always remember how everything has worked out for the best this time. We'll pray every day, Grandfather, won't we? For otherwise, God might forget us. And if somebody should forget to do it, murmured the old man. Oh, he'll get on badly, for God will forget him too. If he is unhappy and wretched, People don't pity him, for they will say, He went away from God, and now the Lord, who alone can help him, has no pity on him. Is that true, Heidi? Who told you so? Grandmama explained it to me. After a pause, the grandfather said, Yes, but if it has happened, then there is no help. Nobody can come back to the Lord when God has once forgotten him. But Grandfather, everybody can come back to him. Grandmama told me that. And besides, there is the beautiful story in my book. Oh, Grandfather, you don't know it yet, and I shall read it to you as soon as we get home. The Grandfather had brought a big basket with him, in which he carried half the contents of Heidi's trunk. It had been too large to be conveyed up the steep ascent. Arriving at the hut and setting down his load, he had to sit beside Heidi, who was ready to begin the tale. With great animation, Heidi read the story of the prodigal son, who was happy at home with his father's cows and sheep. The picture showed him leaning on his staff, watching the sunset. Suddenly, he wanted to have his own inheritance and be able to be his own master. 
Demanding the money from his father, he went away and squandered it all. When he had nothing in the world left, he had to go as servant to a peasant who did not own fine cattle like his father, but only swine. His clothes were rags, and for food he only got the husks on which the pigs were fed. Often he would think what a good home he had left, and when he remembered how good his father had been to him, and his own ungratefulness, he would cry from repentance and longing. Then he said to himself, I shall go to my father and ask his forgiveness. When he approached his former home, his father came out to meet him. What do you think will happen now? Heidi asked. You think that the father is angry and will say, Didn't I tell you? But just listen. And his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fattest calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Isn't it a beautiful story, Grandfather? asked Heidi when he sat silently beside her. Yes, Heidi, it is, the Grandfather said but so seriously that Heidi quietly looked at the pictures. Look how happy he is, she said, pointing to it. A few hours later, when Heidi was sleeping soundly, the old man climbed up the ladder. Placing a little lamp beside the sleeping child, he watched her a long, long time. Her little hands were folded and her rosy face looked confident and peaceful. The old man now folded his hands and said in a low voice while big tears rolled down his cheeks, Father, I have sinned against heaven and thee, and am no more worthy to be thy son. The next morning found the uncle standing before the door, looking about him over the valley and mountain. A few early bells sounded from below, and the birds sang their morning anthems. Re-entering the house, he called, Heidi, get up, the sun is shining. Put on a pretty dress, for we are going to church. That was a new call, and Heidi obeyed quickly. When the child came downstairs in her smart little frock, she opened her eyes wide. Oh, Grandfather, she exclaimed, I have never seen you in your Sunday coat with the silver buttons. Oh, how fine you look. The old man, turning to the child, said with a smile, You look nice too. Come on, 
with Heidi's hand in his, they wandered down together. The nearer they came to the village, the louder and richer the bells resounded. Oh, Grandfather, do you hear it? It seems like a big, high feast, said Heidi. When they entered the church, all the people were singing. Though they sat down on the last bench behind, the people had noticed their presence and whispered it from ear to ear. When the pastor began to preach, his words were a loud thanksgiving that moved all his hearers. After the service, the old man and the child walked to the personage. The clergyman had opened the door and received them with friendly words. I have come to ask your forgiveness for my harsh words, said the uncle. I want to follow your advice to spend the winter here among you. If the people look at me askance, I can't expect any better. I am sure, Mr. Pastor, you will not do so. The pastor's friendly eyes sparkled, and with many a kind word, he commended the uncle for this change, and putting his hand on Heidi's curly hair, ushered them out. Thus the people, who had been all talking together about the great event, could see that their clergyman shook hands with the old man. The door of the personage was hardly shut, when the whole assembly came forward and outstretched their hands with friendly greetings. Great seemed to be their joy at the old man's resolution. Some of the people even accompanied him on his way homeward. When they had parted at last, the uncle looked after them with his face, shining as with an inward light. Heidi looked up to him and said, Grandfather, you have never looked so beautiful. Do you think so, child? he said with a smile. You see, Heidi, I am more happy than I deserve. To be at peace with God and men makes one's heart feel light. God has been good to me to send you back. When they arrived at Peter's hut, the grandfather opened the door and entered. How do you do, grandmother? he called out. I think we must start to mend again before the fall wind comes. Oh my God, the uncle, exclaimed the grandmother in joyous surprise. How happy I am to be able to thank you for what you've done, uncle. Thank you. God bless you for it. With trembling joy, the grandmother shook hands with her old friend. There is something else I want to say to you, uncle, she continued. If I have ever hurt you in any way, do not punish me. Do not let Heidi go away again before I die. I cannot tell you what Heidi means to me. So saying, she held the clinging child to her. No danger of that, grandmother. I hope we shall all stay together now 
for many years to come. Bridgeter now showed Heidi's feather hat to the old man and asked him to take it back. But the uncle asked her to keep it since Heidi had given it to her. What blessings this child has brought from Frankfurt, Bridgeter said. I often wondered if I should not send our little Peter too. What do you think, uncle? The uncle's eyes sparkled with fun when he replied, I'm sure it would not hurt Peter. Nevertheless, I should wait for a fitting occasion before I sent him. The next moment, Peter himself arrived in great haste. He had a letter for Heidi, which had been given to him in the village. What an event! A letter for Heidi! They all sat down at the table while the child read it aloud. The letter was from Clara Seesman, who wrote that everything had got so dull since Heidi left. She said that she could not stand it very long, and therefore her father had promised to take her to Ragatz this coming fall. She announced that Grandmama was coming too, for she wanted to see Heidi and her grandfather. Grandmama, having heard about the rolls, was sending some coffee too, so that the grandmother would not have to eat them dry. Grandmama also insisted on being taken to the grandmother herself when she came on her visit. Great was the delight caused by this news, and what with all the questions and plans that followed, the grandfather himself forgot how late it was. This happy day, which had united them all, caused the old woman to say at parting, The most beautiful thing of all, though, is to be able to shake hands again with an old friend, as in days gone by. It is a great comfort to find again what we have treasured. I hope you'll come again soon, uncle. I am counting on the child for tomorrow. This promise was given. While Heidi and her grandmother were on their homeward path, the peaceful sound of evening bells accompanied them. At last they reached the cottage, which seemed to glow in the evening light. <laughs>